Welcome to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast, a place where hungry minds discuss all things evidence-based nutrition, fitness, mindset, and healthy living. We're your hosts, registered dietitian and nutritionists, Courtney and Darian. Let's dive in. The information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only, so always speak to a healthcare provider such as a registered dietitian who can work with you directly about your unique healthcare needs. Hello there, and welcome back to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast. Today, we're talking all about food tracking. Should you do it to reach your goals? What are the pros and cons? Who's it for? Who's it not for? And if you do decide to food track, how can you do it effectively? Yeah, I'm excited for this episode. I feel like there's a lot of great points on either end that Courtney and I are going to be touching on, and hopefully you gain a lot of insight from this one. Yeah, definitely something we've noticed about food tracking. It can be a very black or white Mm -hmm. perspective. Like you have some camps of people say food tracking is the worst thing you can do. It damages your relationship with food. And on the other side, people say it's the only way to reach your goals. Like it's the best tool. You should track your food. So we're kind of here to explore that gray area because we've seen in practice it be a really effective tool for some and not for others. So we're going to have a dialogue on, you know, who it might be for, who it might not be for. So to start our conversation, Darian and I wanted to share some of the pros and cons we've identified with food tracking, specifically food tracking in an app like MyFitnessPal. Let's start with some pros of food tracking. One major pro of food tracking is that it can bring awareness to nutrition habits. So whether it's writing your intake down in a food journal or tracking it in an app, a lot of times clients tell us it simply brings awareness to their Mm -hmm. choices. So an exercise we'll often have clients do before they meet with us for their initial consultation is to food journal or food track in an app like MyFitnessPal for five days. And sometimes they say like, I tried to keep my Mm -hmm. intake the same, but even like the mere um, awareness that it brought to my choices caused me to start changing some things a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do find that is one of the most common things and because we do encourage them, you know, keep things as close um, to your normal eating as usual and like there's no judgment from us. We're here to help you. But exactly the mere act of just like having to track and kind of look at things caused them to just make some a small tweaks already. Yeah, they were already a little bit more intentional or maybe thinking like, am I hungry? You know, do I want to have this snack? So um, for a lot of people, that awareness can be really supportive of making positive Mm -hmm. changes to their nutrition habits. Food tracking can also be a really great learning tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of times when clients come to us, they maybe don't know, you know, which foods have protein or yep. which foods have fiber or, you know, how much they need to fuel their body through the day. So tracking can be a really great tool for us to teach them about the variety of foods that can offer them specific nutrients um, that they need to reach their goals. Absolutely. Some examples would be like, are they getting enough protein? We know how important protein is for nutrition and even performance related goals. So that's such an insightful one that a lot of clients gain that knowledge of just from tracking. 
Yeah. And I think too, with tracking, like I can give clients a list of like, here's some high protein foods to include, which is really helpful, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay. Yeah. These are the basics of high protein foods, but I think it's really like more impactful for them to look at their own choices and see which foods am I eating that have protein? Which foods do I love that have protein and start learning about protein Mm -hmm. and different foods? That way we can build their diet in a way that they love. And it's not just them like following a list of high protein foods and trying to insert them. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. The other one I find really helpful with the learning tool perspective is their fiber intake. So especially if I'm working with clients from a digestive health perspective, you know, we got to see what's going on in that, the end, fiber end of things. So um, helping them gain that insight into which foods are contributing more or less fiber in their diet, which fiber filled foods maybe are agreeing or disagreeing with them is another um great perspective. Yeah. And of course, like with fiber, we can just identify like these foods Mm -hmm. have lots of fiber. Try to, you know, include more of these fiber rich foods to feel more full, to support your digestion, to balance your blood sugars. But at the end of the day, I find it more liberating for clients to learn about fiber and foods and figure out the fiber foods they Mm -hmm. love. And also with fiber specifically, I find that like the amount of fiber in terms of like the numerical amount can make a big difference. Like tracking allows us to easily see, okay, you're probably not getting enough versus, oh, maybe you're even getting too Too much much and we need to bring that back. Mm -hmm. So another thing I really like to look at when I'm supporting clients is how they're building their meals to support their blood sugars. So of course, like we can use food journaling to determine, okay, do you have a nice amount of protein and fat in this meal, which is going to delay the Mm -hmm. breakdown and the release of the sugar or glucose from the carbohydrates for that steady blood sugar rise and fall. Um, We can see that from a food journal, but sometimes for clients, if they're really struggling with their blood sugar balance, for example, like experiencing a lot of energy Mm -hmm. dips through the day, I can get into the more specific of like, okay, how much fat and protein yeah. is in your meal and how do we make sure that ratio is on point relative to the carbohydrates? So there's a specific formula yes. I use to figure that out with clients. And I mean, it sounds really sciencey and intense. It's really not at mm-hmm. all, but it just gives, food tracking just gives us more numerical data to really yeah. like look at the meal and say, how can we make subtle tweaks to this to really support your energy Mm -hmm. or your blood sugars through the day. I really like that one. And I find when I use that with clients as well, they actually find it very encouraging. They're like, oh, this is just like a something I get to add to my meal or here's like a tweak I can make that's actually going to result in sustained energy. And I won't maybe have that little slump or um, just feeling empowered with their choices by looking at it from that perspective. Mm hmm. So the formula I like to look at to determine if a meal is supporting blood sugars is that the total carbohydrate in the meal minus the fiber, Mm because fiber is not breaking down into sugar, we want to see that that's equal to or less than the total fat and protein in grams. Mm -hmm. So I'll have a breakdown of what this looks like in the blog post for a little bit more information so you can visualize this. So you can go to the blog post that accompanies this podcast on our webpage to see the breakdown. But essentially, it's a bit of a check-in that we can use with clients to see, okay, do we need to add more fat or more protein to this meal to balance out the carbohydrate that you have in the meal? Yeah, I like using that formula and a lot of clients don't realize how simple it actually is once they get that um, insight from us and now they have a little bit more perspective in balancing their meals for themselves. Yeah, and once they see it numerically Mm -hmm. in an app 
like MyFitnessPal, it quickly transfers into not yeah. needing the numerical exactly. data. They know like, okay, this meal doesn't probably have enough fat or protein. Yeah. I need to add a fat or protein source. So they can do it really intuitively. But in order to do it intuitively, we find that sometimes teaching yes. them um, is through a, a tool like MyFitnessPal is, you know, key. And I think on that note too, like it, this is part of the reason why we don't specifically give out meal plans all the time and having a tool like MyFitnessPal where we can help clients um, feel more empowered by looking at the numeric value in how that's going to transfer into a balanced meal just builds their confidence without the app. Yeah, it's like we want to teach you to understand nutrition so you can make these informed and empowered choices for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. We don't just want to tell you what to do. We want you to understand it and know how to Mm -hmm. do it so you can eat a variety of meals and feel confident Mm -hmm. in how that meal is going to fuel you. And understand what we're looking at too as the, Mm -hmm. you know, trained health professionals. Yeah, I know. I had a client tell me like, I've heard advice from nutritionists in the past, like just Mm -hmm. eat intuitively. And she's like, I don't know how to eat intuitively. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about nutrition. It's like you have, you know, a degree in nutrition experience in this field. Like it makes sense that you can eat intuitively, but I can't. And so it was really cool for me to support her and teach her the foundations so that now she's in a place where she feels like she has that knowledge to be an intuitive eater. And that's something we'll talk about a little bit later. But essentially our Mm -hmm. point is like, my fitness, an app like MyFitnessPal is a learning tool. Mm-hmm. That's a major advantage of using it. Another reason that food tracking can be a helpful tool is it helps ensure that you're eating enough. Yeah, I think when people think about food tracking, they think of it purely from this lens of like food restriction. Um, But a lot of times food tracking is about learning how to fuel your body and eat enough. Like Mm -hmm. many clients come to us from a background of restriction or just under eating Mm -hmm. or under fueling. And then they kind of toggle between under eating, overeating because they don't know what it feels like to be eating enough consistently. Mm -hmm. So a tool um, like tracking can help us see, you know, how much are you eating? Maybe you're under eating. How can we build in more consistency so that you're eating enough daily? And what does it feel like to eat enough? Because again, once you understand what it feels like to eat enough, that you can transfer that Mm -hmm. to a non-tracking approach in the future. But tracking can give you a bit more data to understand what that looks like and what that feels like in your body. Absolutely. Even um, some very active clients that I've been working with who have trans um, transferred away from tracking sometimes they'll come to me when we're working together again and it's like you know maybe they're experiencing poor recovery or poor energy so we w- might just like have them go back to tracking for a little bit see where they're at and then understand hey you know what I think your intake's been a little bit too low just gave us some extra insight into where we can build from and see that hey we have lots of opportunities to just increase their intake now. Yeah, I know like as a personal example, Mm -hmm. that's kind of my tendency to kind of move towards underfueling accidentally and then I get really hungry and I maybe overeat. So tracking is a great tool Mm -hmm. for me that I'll use occasionally to just check in on my intake and make sure I'm eating enough throughout the day so I'm not feeling super hungry. And then we know what happens when we get too hungry. It's like that pendulum swinging. It goes too far to the hungry side. It's going to swing to feeling too full. Mm -hmm. So I know, like I said, I have that tendency. So this can Tracking can be a great tool that I use still intermittently just for that check-in. Food tracking can also help you reach a specific goal. 
Yeah. So a lot of times reaching specific goals like losing body fat or building muscle, they're not intuitive for our body. Mm -hmm. Like our body is kind of more inclined to stay the same than it is to want to change. Um, So if we have a specific goal related to body composition or even like a specific goal for sports performance, a lot of times like sports performance, again, not always an intuitive way of eating what your body needs to perform at the highest level. So a tool like MyFitnessPal or any other tracking app can give us external data and that external data is often required to make adjustments that allow that individual to make progress towards whatever their specific goal is. Mm-hmm. Like just as an example, maybe you're building muscle, tracking your intake might be beneficial to ensure that you're um, getting the minimum amount of protein needed to optimize that protein muscle Muscle protein synthesis. Yeah, and sometimes it's a lot more than people Mm -hmm. realize. Um, So having that check-in, just make sure, okay, I'm fueling my body so that I can get everything or give my body everything it needs to build from all the hard work I'm putting in uh, to my workouts Mm -hmm. or my training. An interesting one I've seen too is food tracking can actually help clients overcome food fears. So Darian, what is a food fear? So the term food fear is used to describe certain foods that a person might be afraid to eat, possibly just because of some negative thoughts or feelings about their nutritional content. Um, It could be a particular item or a whole food group, but when they eat it, they might feel experience some guilt or shame and just opt to avoid that food altogether. Yeah. So of course, with like any type of food fears or disordered eating, Mm -hmm. I would say that like the first step is reaching out to a therapist Mm -hmm. or a dietitian like Hannah Mm -hmm. on our team who specializes in disordered eating and can help you, you know, move through that thinking and overcome the food fear itself. But something we have seen Mm -hmm. with clients is that when they track their food, they start to understand how a variety of foods Mm -hmm. truly can fit in a balanced diet and fit with their goals. So one example I know for me specifically was white bread. It's like, okay, white bread, oh, it doesn't have any fiber. Or maybe you've heard of it as being like a food choice that you shouldn't be eating. But it's like, oh man, I love white bread. It's one of my favorite foods. (laughs) I can definitely throw down on some white bread and still hit my fiber goals by enjoying other foods that have fiber. So for me, it's really not a big deal to be enjoying that, you know, common fear food because I know how it can fit and it gives me energy and it's a great carbohydrate source for me. And so, I mean, in some cases, food tracking can help clients actually like see that and, you know, have a little bit of data to support them and changing their thinking. Absolutely. And I I love seeing that when I'm working with clients and they feel empowered by seeing how all those foods, they can be enjoyed in their day. More often than not, we end up leaving adding so much more variety to their diet. Mm -hmm. Food tracking can also help troubleshoot some specific obstacles. Yeah. So what are specific obstacles that you find food tracking really valuable um, in navigating? Mm -hmm. So the first ones that come to mind would be any sort of digestive distress. So personally, I do find it a little bit challenging to work with digestive health clients specifically if we're not doing some form of food tracking that doesn't have to be in the app, but it is really helpful for me to see things written down so I can understand what they're eating and then help them understand what might be contributing or not contributing to anything they're experiencing. So Darian, what clues might you be looking for when you're navigating digestive health concerns with a client? 
Yeah. Um, one of the first things I do look at is just their overall fiber intake. Um, too little or too much actually can exasperate digestive symptoms. I also look at the volume of their meals and even just the frequency in that they're eating. Maybe it's simply um, for them they're just eating um quite small amounts, but just all day long can kind of just cause some bloating or digestive upset, or maybe there's just too much at one meal for them to be able to tolerate. Then I will look at specific foods like um, cruciferous vegetables or even some specific high FODMAP foods, um, which maybe we can tackle in other podcasts, but it doesn't mean they have to eliminate those altogether, but it's more about finding the amounts they can tolerate. Yeah, I know for me, like, if I'm looking through a food journal, maybe it wasn't a digestive mm-hmm. health client I was looking at, but it's just like a one-off and a client's like, oh my gosh, I'm so bloated or, you yeah. know, maybe I'm experiencing constipation. Oftentimes, like a lot of, you know, the products on the market, like, yes. you know, certain protein bars with sugar, alcohols or added one. fibers, yep. it's like, ooh, yeah, that was probably the issue. Yeah. So we can just quickly identify what's happening because we have that Definitely. data and information to go by. It's so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Do any other specific scenarios come to mind for you? Yeah, a big one would be poor recovery from exercise or training. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes that comes down to maybe underfueling, like yeah. we talked about before, or specifically not getting enough protein. So we can quickly identify, okay, um, is it related to inadequate protein intake and how can we increase that protein so the individual is recovering? Um, other ones are like blood sugar issues. Like if a client's experiencing dizziness, headaches, or low energy, it's like, hmm, is something happening with how you're balancing your meals causing these blood sugar dips? in the day. So we shared more about the specifics of how we might troubleshoot that earlier on in the conversation, but that would be a big one, like some of those common symptoms. Um, But of course, like kind of the list goes on. There's so much that we can uncover. Like if people are having issues with sleep, that's something that we support clients on all the time is optimizing nutrition and lifestyle habits for sleep. But we can look at, you know, certain populations benefit from a really strategic bedtime snack to support their sleeps, whereas other people would benefit maybe from having a bit of time to digest before bed for a a better sleep. So we can start to look Mm -hmm. at some data on that and, and really fine tune and optimize. One other really big one would be using it to help identify some potential food sensitivities or allergies. Just having that um, food tracking and data in place helps us identify um, even specific times around when the client felt well or unwell eating that food, that all helps us correlate and make the connections. Yeah. So of course there's a lot of reflection that has to coincide yes. with the food tracking to see like where the connection is happening mm-hmm. between what you're eating and how you're feeling, but certainly helpful to have that data. Whether it is using the app or food journaling, we'd often encourage clients to write down and reflect how they're feeling. So in the app specifically, there's a little a note section where they can um, make some little notes and insight for us so we can understand, hey, you know, I had a headache after this or this is kind of what was going on for them and help us make those connections. Yeah, because we've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for us to make the connection between what you're yes. eating and how you might be feeling. And so that reflection is just so, so helpful. Uh, in combination with the data. That covers our pros, but there are definitely some cons when it comes to food tracking, so we want to dive into that section. One major con I see with food tracking is that it disconnects people from their internal cues. So in the section where we talked about the pros of food tracking, we talked a lot about how it provides external data, which can be really helpful to understand, you know, how much are you eating? You know, how much protein are you eating? How much fiber are you eating? Um, But this 
external data only takes us so far. At some point, we need to reflect what's happening internally right. in our body, the internal cues, the hunger and fullness cues, how you're feeling, how's your energy level. So while we encourage clients to be reflecting on their internal cues all throughout the process of tracking this external data, just seeing the numerical data in an app like MyFitnessPal, I think can really just switch people into solely focusing on external data. And then we kind of miss the mark. Yes. We don't have that internal data that's really helping us understand, you know, what do we want to do with this data that we're tracking and how can we make tweaks to optimize for them? Sometimes we will have clients come to us who have been tracking, but now they're solely fixed on that um, external data coming in that they don't even really understand how to use the internal pieces anymore. So our priorities then shift away from food tracking and helping them tune more into that those internal cues and how using those tools we built will help them develop that. Yeah, I think it's just, like you said, keeping in mind tracking as external mm -hmm. data. It teaches us about nutrition. That's amazing. Yeah. But it has to transfer yes. into listening to your body and eventually taking that knowledge to a non-tracking yeah. approach. I feel like that's where the magic is. And that isn't easy to no, do. And that's hard. where we get to help people. Yes. We get to be that bridge. Okay, let's take this knowledge and let's teach you how to listen to your body so you can be an intuitive eater and, you know, have that knowledge of how to, you know, build balance mm -hmm. plates that support your goals, but you don't need the data to verify that you're providing your body with that fuel. Food tracking doesn't focus on high return on investment habits. So Courtney, can you kind of elaborate on what a high return on investment habit is? Yeah. So as we've definitely highlighted, we do appreciate foods tracking for its ability to provide in an insightful overview mm -hmm. of whether the client's hitting on key nutrients like protein and fiber and enough calories. But sometimes for clients, they get really bogged down in the details of hitting these specific macros or maybe a specific calorie target. And it actually distracts them from focusing on the habits that are probably going to have the biggest impact on their health or their specific goals. So then, so rather Rather than getting bogged down in the details of, you know, um, nutrients or hitting yeah. these specific nutrients in my fitness pal, they'd be better off channeling that energy into a more powerful high return on investment habit like getting seven hours or more of sleep. That's a big one. Um, you know, focusing on their workouts and, yeah. you know, in, investing energy into giving their best to their workouts. Maybe it's going out for an extra walk or something we'll yeah. often recommend is, you know, getting close to that 10,000 step mark per day. And another one might just be instead of, you know, investing energy on your phone and into an app, maybe you're going to feel your best just eating your meal <laughs> with your friends or family and enjoying that meal rather than getting bogged down into how you're tracking that meal and what the specific nutrient breakdown of that particular meal is. Exactly. I'll have clients who are maybe going away for a weekend or going to a different environment. They're like, how do I track this? I'm like, don't. There are so many other those great habits you can include without having to having worrying about entering them. So, you know, can you drink some water in your day? Can you maybe get some movement? Can you still have a source of protein at your meals or vegetables or fruit without having to track it? Absolutely, you can. Yeah. And that's like where we want to focus. It's mm -hmm. Once we know where protein comes from and fiber comes from, like, yeah. let's just focus on hitting on those foods as a habit versus seeing the yes. exact amount that you're eating in a day. An interesting con with food tracking is it doesn't account for daily changes to energy needs. 
Yeah, so humans aren't robots, and our nutrition requirements change daily based on our activity level and even our hormones. So, for example, a person who menstruates, they're going to experience changes in metabolism throughout their cycle. So they might be hungrier at different times of the month, and I know that is something I definitely <laughs> experience. So if you're only going by, you know, a specific calorie goal in my fitness pal, it might not actually be helping you tune into your body and adjust your energy intake based on your changing um, calorie or energy needs. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes clients are even hard on themselves like not recognizing what's going on it's like no we have to like disregard those um energies in the app in that perspective and really just feel what's going on in your body yeah exactly and even though we do recommend food tracking or help clients use food tracking as a tool um when we're using it we use it in a flexible way so that all throughout the process we're teaching them about their changing energy needs and how to listen to their body to adjust their intake appropriately and and stay well fueled food tracking might also discourage variety flexibility and even just having fun in the kitchen yeah so Tracking food can be a little bit tedious for sure. And so sometimes I think people who track their food, they get kind of really in the habit of just eating the same things or eating the same meals because it's easy to track it. Um, But then they're not, you know, being flexible with what they're eating or trying new things or like Mm -hmm. throwing in that extra ingredient that might, you know bring a new flavor to the dish or even like adding variety from foods that's going to help them um, obtain different key nutrients and vitamins and minerals. So definitely like a major downside is I think it kind of is like a want want (laughs) to cooking sometimes. And I don't know, I love like cooking and having that flexibility and variety. So um, I think that's one of the bigger downsides I personally have experienced from food tracking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, we want you to choose your meals based on what you're truly going to enjoy, not what feels easiest to track. Yeah. And it comes back to that like internal cue. Mm-hmm. Like what do you feel like eating? Um, and sometimes food tracking distracts us yeah. from that. Food tracking also introduces some technology roadblocks. Yeah. So as mentioned earlier, food tracking can be a bit tedious. And so people who are really tech savvy, obviously they pick it up quickly and they maybe really enjoy using the app, but other people might not be so tech savvy. So then they're just getting bogged down into how to actually use the app rather than making meaningful changes to their nutrition habits. So I would say some people like food tracking apps, it's just not for them because Mm -hmm. why do we want to invest energy into learning technology in an app when we could be like learning about nutrition and how to Um, you know, make a meaningful change to our intake through a habit-based approach or by learning about the food groups. And on that note, too, food tracking apps are also more vulnerable to database errors. Yeah, so a lot of times the data in these apps are just user-generated, so they're not accurate, like they might have inaccurate information, so it's not actually representative of what you're eating, or it might not have information on the micronutrient intake. Like, So I find food tracking apps just not reliable at all when we're assessing micronutrients like iron and calcium. Like, We don't really use them for that because they're most of them, or at least most of the ones available to the general public, just don't give us accurate information, so we have to do that in a more like we do it in a different way to assess the adequacy um so yeah there is definitely like if you're tracking you have to be pretty on it in terms of making sure what you're actually entering is accurate because Mm -hmm. it's not always intuitive to pick those like 
nutritionally correct choices in the app. Definitely. We just take into consideration that it's going to be very nuanced information. Yeah. Food tracking can also introduce a potential stressor. So if food tracking is stressing you out, then it might not be the right tool for you. And of course, when we're making changes towards our goal, there's going to be a little bit of stress in reaching it. Like stress isn't inherently bad, um, but there's are many ways to make meaningful changes to your nutrition. So if tracking is just leaving you stressed out, then maybe we choose another way to collect data and make changes towards your goals. Mm-hmm. I often talk to clients um, about the difference of, you know, tracking just to track and if that just feels like a burden or a stressor versus tracking to actually build that knowledge and foundation. Yeah. And then it's like insightful and fun yes. and empowering. Exactly. That's the type of energy we yes. want behind tracking. Like I'm learning. This is really, you know, great information. This is helping me reach my goals versus, you know, feeling stressed yeah. or like restricted. That's yeah. not at all what food tracking, in our opinion, is intended to be used I for. Agree. Many food tracking apps focus solely on weight loss. Yeah, so many of the tracking apps, like definitely MyFitnessPal, mm-hmm. it's very geared towards people with a weight loss goal. And it's not that, you know, it's wrong to have a weight loss no. goal. That's something that we support clients with. But I think for people who maybe have different goals like building muscle or troubleshooting digestive distress mm-hmm. or eating enough or even gaining weight, it can be off-putting to be in yeah. these apps that are kind of, you know, telling you <laughs> you're doing something wrong if yep. you've chosen something high in calories. And so, you know, in those cases, I wouldn't say it's like a huge disadvantage, but it definitely is kind of um, bias towards yes. this weight loss approach, which could be a little bit off-putting for some people. Definitely. And that's just something we often have to troubleshoot with our clients and let them know that it's like, no, like we're kind of the um, the people you're relying on. Don't listen to what the app's saying from that extent. Yeah. A final consideration is that tracking food doesn't actually account for how foods can fit within your other values. Mm. So, Courtney, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So a phrase that we like to use here at Vitality, it's really our core philosophy, Mm -hmm. is fuel the body and feed the soul. So the fuel the body piece is making intentional food choices that support your physical body. So it could be things like eating enough protein or getting enough fiber. And obviously, like that is undoubtedly important for your health and wellness. However, food also provides connections to other values like friendship, family and community. That's the feed the soul piece. So Enjoying a piece of cake at a birthday party, if you plug that into the app, you might be like, this is offering me nothing in terms of my protein and fiber goals. But eating that cake could enhance your wellness if it brings connection and joy to your life. So food tracking is not capturing that joy and connection that food can bring. Um, And so I think, you know, that's a major con is it doesn't um, help us understand how all these foods fit into the big picture and how we can be really intentional with eating all kinds of foods in a way that not only fuel our body but feed Mm -hmm. our soul soul. (laughs) i love it so much and when i explain this to clients it just seems to click for them and it actually relieves a little bit of stress as well (laughs) 
who may benefit from food tracking. Yeah, and also who may not benefit. Yes. So let's start with who might benefit from food tracking. So a lot of these goals we actually mentioned um, when we're discussing the mm-hmm. pros and cons, but some key goals we would potentially be using food tracking as a tool um, to help facilitate results towards the goal would be body recomposition, so losing body fat yep. and gaining muscle. So we did an entire podcast Mm -hmm. on body recomposition. So definitely encourage you to listen to that. But food tracking can be a really great way to make sure we're getting enough protein to build muscle, but then um, adjusting the calorie goal or the calorie range that the client's eating in to facilitate like losing body fat or, um, you know, maybe gaining a bit of weight depending on what their body recomp goal looks like. Exactly. That one's just not quite as intuitive. Mm -hmm. Another one would be muscle gain or weight gain. So So gaining muscle requires eating enough protein. So tracking can be really helpful for that. And for a lot of people, like weight gain isn't intuitive Mm -hmm. for them and they need the accountability of like seeing how much they're eating to actually be eating enough. Um, Sport and athletic performance is another one. So making sure you're optimizing that performance in sport can just require a little bit more of a tailored nutrition strategy that considers more meal timing, maybe around training um, sessions, optimal protein, energy intake to promote recovery. Yeah, like eating before bed and Mm -hmm. like bedtime snacks are really key for athletes. So that's a big thing that we can look at. So this is certainly a population who often will benefit from food tracking for a period of time. And then these ones we shared before, but anyone looking to learn about nutrition, it's not the only way to learn about nutrition, but it is one tool we can use to teach you about nutrition so that you can eventually transition into being really confident with the food choices you're making without tracking in an app. Yeah. Um, Also troubleshooting a symptom. So overcoming a specific obstacle or identifying a symptom might require a short term even tracking phase. So digestive distress low energy, um, even hitting like a plateau with a specific goal, like a body composition or muscle gaining goal. Yeah, exactly. And we talked about this a little bit before. So there's a lot of different obstacles that might come up. Mm -hmm. And as Darian said, it could be a short-term tool that we use um, to figure out, okay, what's going on here? (laughs) What do we need to change? So now let's discuss who may not benefit from tracking or even potentially be harmed from tracking. Yeah, I think this is a really important conversation and something that we're always considering as dietitians when we're working with clients. It's like screening them to see, you know, would it be appropriate to use tracking or might it not be appropriate? And so certainly those with a history of eating disorders Mm -hmm. or disordered eating, I would not recommend tracking for these populations. I would recommend working with a practitioner um, like Hannah Murray on our team who works with clients with disordered eating. They can help you navigate food choices to help you build a healthy relationship with food, but still support and fuel your body. But oftentimes we see in these populations that that type of external data is just like not supportive for their mental and emotional well-being and even their physical health. Another one would be those with the goal of becoming an intuitive eater. Yeah, so as you know, the title implies intuitive eating. It's about tuning into internal cues, your hunger and fullness cues, for example. And so when we're tracking food, that's external data, numerical data, how much you're eating, how much protein you're eating. And that external data can actually distract you from listening to your body. So Again, food tracking is a really great tool to build your nutrition knowledge, which is important to being, you know, a knowledgeable intuitive eater. But once you have that 
knowledge and you understand food, oftentimes we find like we want to let go of that distraction of food tracking and really practice listening to the body and, you know, applying that to an intuitive approach. Mm -hmm. So at Vitality, we've had discussions around where there seems to be kind of three um, elements we discuss when it comes to be at being an intuitive eater. So Courtney, can you kind of share your thoughts on that? Yeah. So a lot of times um, in the intuitive eating space, you hear people say like, oh, if I were just to like be an intuitive eater, I'd just eat chocolate all day. Mm-hmm. And it, intuitive eating it goes beyond that. Yeah. And I like to think of it in three parts. Yeah. So the first part of being an intuitive eater is to have nutrition knowledge, understanding that protein keeps you full and fiber keeps you full. Like we need to have this nutrition base to go off of. And that's where food tracking can be helpful because it gives you that nutrition knowledge. But other you can acquire that knowledge without food tracking. That's one part. You need to understand how food affects your physical body and how to build meals in a way that supports your body. The second part is past experiences with Mm -hmm. nutrition. So this is specific to your experiences with nutrition and, and, you know, what you're feeling in your body. So, for example, um, maybe, you know, you feel great when you have a pre-workout snack an hour before your workout. So then you're making nutrition choices in response to that past experience you have where you felt your workouts were the best when you had that snack. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's the opposite. Maybe you like to be digested for two hours. Everyone has different, you know, nutrition experiences that are going to inform how they fuel themselves. Mm -hmm. And then the third part is being intuitive. So listening to internal cues. So you know, I'm hungry, or this is what it feels like to be full. And so that third piece um, is a lot of times what tracking misses out on. Um, It's not connecting you to those internal cues. And that's something that then we need to practice outside of tracking in an app. Mm -hmm. I love those three pieces so much. And especially, I find the past experience one resonates with clients a lot. Because I'm like, have fun with it. Like you can, this is an experiment too, where like Courtney said, maybe you do recognize, hey, I feel really good with that pre-workout snack. Or maybe, you know, from a past experience, you didn't feel really good with that pre-workout snack. So like being able to reflect on those past experiences will also help dictate your future experiences. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about being a dietitian. Like, obviously, yes, we have nutrition education and we have experience working with a ton of clients. So we're here to help you get to your goals more quickly. But ultimately, it's like, you know, your body and Mm -hmm. you get to bring those past experiences to us or the experiences you have while you're working with us. So we get to collaborate um, closely to, you know, take that information into account as well. Our final consideration of who may not benefit from food tracking is those who recognize they have a personality that fixates more on numbers. Yeah, so if you know you're just the type of person who gets hyper fixated on numbers, um, then we might know like, hey, tracking is just not going to be the right approach for you. Let's not even go down that rabbit hole, so to speak. Let's take a different approach that's going to work better with the type of personality you have, because we see a lot of times people can really um, have this what we call all or nothing thinking with tracking, where it's like they're doing it perfectly. Or if they have one little like slip up, then they're like, I've ruined it. And they're kind of like making unsupportive choices for the rest of the day. So that type of thinking is not going to support, you know, Mm -hmm. having a healthy relationship with food or reaching your goals. So if we know that food tracking is a trigger for that type of thinking, then maybe it's not going to be the right approach for us to take. Exactly. It's kind of like, we don't really want you playing the game to make things fit. Yeah. Um, And that's when we know it's time to make that adjustment. Yeah. And that's where 
I think it's awesome that as dietitians, you know, we do try to work in that gray area in terms of these different tools. We know that tracking can be really helpful for some people and not helpful for others. Mm -hmm. So we get to have that honest conversation with our clients and design a program and an approach that's specific to them. And it's going to, you know, benefit them and bring them closer to their goals Mm -hmm. or a healthy relationship with food. So we wanted to finish off the podcast with five tips for anyone who has um, identified that food tracking may be a beneficial tool for them to use. The first one is recognizing that it is a short-term tool. Yeah, so as dietitians, we believe that food tracking isn't intended as a lifelong strategy to manage your food intake. And so by recognizing that food tracking is a short-term tool for learning about your food choices um, and making adjustments to your nutrition, then you might be more encouraged to do it in the first place and also just like keep into context Mm -hmm. how food tracking is actually fitting into the bigger picture of your health and wellness. I agree. The second is to start with tracking protein and fiber. Um, We believe that protein and fiber are two of the most valuable nutrients to ensure you're getting enough of. Yeah, and oftentimes for clients, when they get enough protein and fiber, they naturally eat enough through the day. So protein and fiber help to balance a lot of the hormones that, you know, regulate our hunger and fullness cues. So when we get enough protein and fiber, it's easier to listen to and honor those internal cues that we talked about. So you're naturally eating enough um, for your goals or even just to, you know stay energized and manage your weight. Um, So there certainly are cases where we might need to look at like a calorie goal or a calorie range, you know, depending on the client and what their goals are. But oftentimes, like making sure you get enough protein and fiber is such an awesome place to start. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of success with that. Mm -hmm. And that actually bridges well into our third tip is which which is to focus on what you can add. So a lot of times I think people consider food tracking as like what you're not eating or like what you're restricting, but we really view it as like, what can we add? Add. You know, what can we add for protein or fiber if you're not getting enough? Or what can we be adding in to balance your blood sugars through the day or to hit on key vitamins and minerals that are going to make you feel your best? So really focusing on what we're adding into your diet, it, it naturally like nudges away less optimal choices so to speak and it's just a much more powerful I think an enjoyable approach it is and it's so encouraging to understand that's like oh my gosh I have all of these foods I get to enjoy yeah the fourth would be to prioritize tracking breaks Yeah. So if you are using tracking as a tool, we encourage you to take breaks from it periodically um, by either like not tracking for a full day or not tracking a meal. And this just helps you, you know, shift to those internal cues that we Mm -hmm. talked about. So you're not only using the external data from the app to make nutrition related choices. And yeah, so those tracking breaks, it helps you, you know, build up skills that you're going to use when you eventually transition away from tracking. Mm -hmm. And then I've even like seen some people who really do enjoy tracking and they do do it for long periods of time. And it's like a really powerful tool for them. But even in those cases, I'm like, hey, like, Take a break from tracking. Practice these cues. Like, listen to your body. Don't use tracking as the only tool in your nutrition toolbox. Like, yes, you know, tracking might be a hammer. What if you need a screwdriver? Definitely. Or something else. It's like we need to practice and pick up these other yeah. skills. I see that a lot, too. And it's something I'll often try to challenge clients on if I do see that there's someone where it's like they've just been tracking for a while and they do enjoy it. But I'm like, OK, I'm going to challenge you from a different perspective now. Let's take a break. 
trust in your body and those skills that you've built as well. Yeah, because what happens if you go on vacation or maybe you enter a new season of your life, like all of a sudden you're a mom and you don't have time to track. It's like you want to build these skills to be confident with your eating and eating without tracking so you can enter any season of life and feel like you know how to eat to fuel your body. The fifth point is to work with a professional. Yeah, so a nutrition professional like your registered dietitian um, can help you determine if tracking is a helpful strategy to help you reach your specific goals or if maybe a different approach would be better for Mm -hmm. you. How we work with each person is going to look different depending on their unique scenario. So working with that professional really ensures that your specific recommendations are tailored to your goals. Yeah, and ensuring too that like the mindset that we have towards tracking is, you know, empowering and and helpful rather than a hindrance um, Mm -hmm. to your goals or your food relationship. So working with a professional, I think, allows you to use tracking as a helpful tool and also knowing that it's not the only Only tool tool, and um, ensuring that, you know, that's we're working on, you know, how to create a sustainable approach to nutrition too. So in conclusion, using a food tracking app is a meaningful short-term approach to bring awareness to your food intake, learn about nutrition, reach specific goals, bridge gaps in nutrition, or even troubleshoot specific symptoms and obstacles. However, these tools can also cause others to hyper-focus on calories or other nutrients and might distract them from valuable cues that their body can offer. Food tracking may even distract you from the bigger picture of how all foods and food experiences can contribute to improved health and wellness. So while tracking can be a helpful tool for some, it can become a hindrance for others. And as registered dietitians, we carefully consider each of our clients' goals, past experiences, your unique personality, and values to help build an approach that will support your health and maintain or build a healthy relationship with food. Yeah. So if you are interested in reading more, we have an entire blog post written on the topic of the pros and cons of food tracking on our website, vitalitynutrition.ca slash blog. Um, And if you did enjoy this podcast episode, um, a way that you can support us is by sharing it with a friend or family member um, who you think could benefit from the information. Thanks for spending your time with us. To further fill your plate, Follow us on social media using the links in our show notes or visit us online at vitalitynutrition.ca. And as always, we welcome your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay fed, stay moving, and stay well. Produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.